SMC Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the SMC Podcast. My name is Jamin. I'm a communications director here at the Southern Michigan Conference of the Free Methodist Church. And if you are used to our conference, then you're going to know all the voices in today's episode, but we'll go ahead and go through them one by one. Starting at the top, Superintendent Rhodes, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. Glad to be with you today. And of course, his lovely assistant, Dustin Weber. <laughs> Thank you, Jamin. I, I, I'm glad I could be here too. <laughs> and uh, his wife along with us is Megan. Hi. And then she's going to be the most recognizable different voice, I think, in today's podcast. So, uh, And working alongside Megan uh, with the Jerron Collective, we have Rashad. Rashad, hello. Hey. Uh, and you have you've been a part of this uh, of the collective for some time, correct? Correct. Uh, I think we started around a year ago, and it's yeah, we've been doing this for a year now. Mm. And you're one of like the leaders among that collective. Yeah, Megan and I basically lead the uh, online group, and um, so we work together basically on. Uh, I think weekly basis, we have a couple me- meetings and uh, we, we uh, talk about uh, our next steps regarding the online group. Cool. So I know uh, the collective was kind of more of a house space thing in the beginning. And we're going to talk later at the end of this podcast about uh, how you guys have made some online adjustments to it. So We'll come back to that. Stay with us. Uh, For now, let's finish up our introductions. Uh, And then we've got uh, Becky Owaskowitz is what it says here on Zoom, though I'm pretty sure that's not the case. Eric, hello. Hello. I won't do a Becky voice. Good to be with you. (laughs) And Eric (laughs) is, of course, been on the team for a long time, but uh, is newer in his position with the conference. Eric, do you want to just give people the quick rundown about what you do with that position? Uh, My official position is director of coaching and training. So I, I direct the, uh, the coaching and the training and the resourcing that we have for our pastors and multipliers. Excellent. So you'll be hearing a lot more about that. Some of you have already, um, talked with him and gotten in touch about uh, some of the ways in which you could work with him. So uh, welcome again to the team, Eric. And then all the way from down south, it's Pastor Paul Jones. Paul, your voice will be the other recognizable one. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, it's, it's my charm. I'm just glad to be here today. Obviously, we are in the midst of stay-at-home orders and quarantines and, and just a whole lot of other stuff going on, and uh, we just thought it'd be a good time on the podcast to kind of catch up with people, let them know, you know, the church is well and alive and working, and 
we even posted a video on our Facebook feed the other day of just kind of a glimpse into, I think, almost all of our churches across the conference, what they've been up to. So you can check that out. But we thought we'd talk as a uh, uh, kind of leadership in the SMC about some of the things we're working on and just how we're keeping the vision of the Southern Michigan Conference alive during this time. And, you know, as we move forward, what uh, what we do to continue doing that. So, Bruce, I thought I'd kind of turn it over to you if you want to kind of set the stage here for us uh, out of that. Yeah, thank you, Jamin. So it's good to be with you all again today. Hey, I wanted to uh, begin our podcast today just once again reminding all of you uh, – well, reminding is not the right word, telling you all how proud we are of the leadership that our elders have been given to their churches, uh, especially in these last 10 weeks. I mean, we, we have never been here before. And the amount of continued collaboration and innovation and creativity that's taken place in the last 10 weeks when we have essentially shuttered our buildings, I think it's been a wonderful testimony to the fact, once again, that uh, the church is not a building. It's a place where the people of God meet. And, you know, this has been, I think, an incredible opportunity uh, or even object lesson for all of us and our people to recognize that today. I have been really uh, excited when I've looked at the reports of the sort of discipleship systems, the, the amount of prayer meetings taking place, the congregational care. I think is probably at a, running at a higher level than what I've ever seen in my many years of ministry. Uh, pastors have mobilized lay people. They've increased their tech skills. So governing boards have just been navigating just a lot of turbulence. And, you know, where we're at 10 weeks from now, 10 weeks uh, from, from over the last 10 weeks, I'm really amazed at how God has provided and led and blessed. So we just wanted to begin the podcast just affirming you as our leaders. Uh, you guys are doing a really tremendous job out there, and we're quite proud of the work of our elders in our conference, as well as the people of God that are serving as delegates and governing boards and staff people and volunteers. Thank you for, for all of your work. The other thing we wanted to do today was, um, once again, just reaffirm something that is essential something that is critical to who we are as a conference. Um, you know, we're all probably a little bit weary uh, in, you know, from these last 10 weeks. And to make matters even worse, we have rioting going on in our cities today, and there's a growing angst to uh, the racism that's inherent within American culture. And, you know, it's bringing out all of the ugly stuff as well as beautiful stuff. And it's really easy for us to kind of binge on the news and on our social media posts. We, we want to take a breath from all of that here in our conversation today and just reaffirm again, what are we about as a conference? And, uh, you know, as leaders, we're about making and multiplying disciples of Jesus, people who radically love God and radically love their neighbor. Friends, that is the cure for everything that's going on today in our nation. All this, all this madness, all this violence, we need to be making and multiplying disciples, followers of Jesus. And we want to talk about that today. You know, even this morning, I was getting reports from pastors that have done drive-through services and they're wrestling with how to do it and how to do it better. I've been on the phone with pastors 
still trying to figure out when they're going to reopen, and all that is necessary work. But friends, please hear us again. As important as that is, we cannot allow all of our leadership uh, strength, all of our leadership thought to be going into just reopening buildings, because ultimately, we all know that's not our mission. As important as it is, as vital as it is, it's not the heart of what we're about as a conference. So we want to have a conversation today, again, about our mission. And we brought in uh, Megan, who I think is uh, Megan and Paul, who are just doing wonderful work in the light of this pandemic and closures and all the things that we're struggling with. And they're experimenting and they're innovating and they're trying to reach people and they're trying to uh, create disciples. So they're going to have some time on the podcast as well today to just uh, keep us stimulated in our thinking, reminding us and encouraging us that this work can be done regardless of all the external circumstances going on around us. So I probably said enough already right there. I'm going to stop and, and pause. Uh, so yeah, we've uh, been hearing all these cool stories about what's been going on in our churches during this time, um, and partially, and I'll say this as a pastor, not as uh, your communications director, uh, partially the reason you've been getting all these cool stories out of our conferences is not only because of the effort that pastors have put into things, but because you guys at the conference headquarters, like from day one, like were offering us so much information about uh, what we could do, different kind of tactics that we could use, uh, different things that we could get involved in. Uh, and Dustin, I know uh, I didn't, none of us saw you for many days in those early days as you were reading legal pieces of paper for <laughs> days on end. Uh, why, why don't you just recap for some of us, uh, especially if someone's tuning in from afar, some of the things that you guys brought our way to look into. Yeah, so so when the coronavirus began um, to spread and it, and it began to be become evident that this pandemic was going to have serious ramifications um, on the life of the church, we began to recognize there are there were so many different trajectories that our churches and our ministries could end up on, and some of those trajectories had pretty scary and sad endings to where they were going to land. Um, and as, as we began engaging some leaders early on and asking about some things, they also were recognizing this. Uh, so, so right on the front end of this, I think there was a, there was a, a broad consensus that we need to recognize uh, that life is changing right now. At the time, early on, we thought life is changing for the next month. We didn't have it. We we never realized the the longevity of it. Uh, but we recognize that things are going to change, and the decisions we make right now are going to have uh, consequences weeks and months down the road. And so I I'm really I join Bruce in in saying this. I am really proud of the way uh, that the leadership. Uh, of the local churches in Southern Michigan Conference really dove deep into uh, understanding their own situations and began charting paths forward. Uh, almost uh, things changed, day, not just day to day, but um, I know, hour to hour at times. And our leaders really stepped up. Uh, they, they read the situation. They discerned well what their options were, guided by the Holy Spirit, and have really led their churches well uh, to, to good positions right now, I think.
now I remember <laughs> right before quarantine set in, you know, we were having these meetings with pastors about the immeasurably more campaign and all these things that we were gearing up to do. Um, and then, you know, in many ways, a lot of attention had to immediately shift to take care of the stuff around us. Is there anything that uh, anyone wanted to get into on that? Jamin, I think one way to look at this is we have done immeasurably more in the last two months hey. than we ever imagined in those <laughs> meetings we would be doing right now. The campaign is fine. complete. We're done. <laughs> I, uh, I can tell you that, um, you know, that was 18 months, uh, 18 months of work um, <laughs> that we kind of concluded at the end of 2019 with our uh, governing board as a conference. And then we were going public with it. I think we had a third to half of our pastors in small groups to uh, have a 90-minute listening and Q&A session on what is this new five-year development uh, uh, program for our conference. And uh, I was very excited about it. And then on the heels of the quarantine, it felt like all of it just disappeared or evaporated overnight. And I was struggling with that so much. And um, what is true, however, is that God has done some really amazing things since this time. I mean, obviously, what Dustin just said is true. God has done immeasurably more in the last 10 weeks uh, than what any of us thought was going to be happening in our conference uh, in January. But in addition to that, um, so throughout this time, another opportunity emerged with the Lilly Foundation. Uh, and our conference has joined with two other annual conferences in Spring Harbor University, applying for a million-dollar grant with the what's called the Michigan Thriving Churches Network. So God, God has ways of working, you know, that we could never foresee, and I believe that he really is at work in our conference. Just because we haven't launched the financial piece of the campaign doesn't mean that our vision for immeasurable multiplication isn't true today. We're still committed to that. We still believe that's the call of God upon the church, upon God's people, to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. So the campaign is nestled nicely on the back burner of the SMC stove, and we're just waiting on, you know, really for the providence of God in terms of when we have an opportunity to begin working in that direction again. We may, we may never unpack that as it was. It may look differently by the time we come out of this, but I'm confident that God's really in control of that, and I trust him with it today. I didn't trust him with it 10 weeks ago. I was grousing about it. But today, you know, 10 weeks behind us with where we're at, I truly have a sense that God's really in control of that, and I just need to trust him for it. What, one of the things that we have coached our churches to do in their own setting is to hold tightly to the mission, vision, and values that your church has, but yet reconsider entirely what is the, uh, what's your strategy and tactics that you're going to need to take as you read, you exegete the new, the new reality. What, what new and adjusted strategies and tactics can you take? Well, we, we have to apply those same principles back here um, at, at, a, at a conference-wide level. Uh, so the, the vision, uh, the mission, vision, and values of uh, a movement of multiplication is not changing at all in how we're moving forward. But we are going to need to look differently at how does the new reality uh, that we live in right now 
uh, how will that affect the the uh, the the approach that we're going to take uh, to see a movement of church planting of of leadership development and discipleship making take place. And so then in many ways, Eric, you were hired for a job that just got 10 times more complicated (laughs) as you took it. So uh, as you've kind of been gearing up to kind of work on, you know, planning churches and, and multiplying uh, disciples, leaders and churches, uh, do you want to uh, speak into kind of like what you've been learning so far, just things going through your head, what you're working on and whatnot? Yeah, I, I can honestly say, Jamin, um, transitioning jobs in the midst of a global pandemic is probably not the best time, um, but that, that's how we roll in Southern Michigan Conference. And so, uh, you know, if we're, we're going to go after it, we go big or we go home, right? Um, so in, in coming into this role, I mean, one of the things that I was really excited and energized by uh, early on, Superintendent Bruce had asked me to, to assess um, all of our churches that were reporting apostolic initiatives. And so, I, you know, I, I got to have these great conversations with leaders who you know, are just really doing some creative and innovative things for the kingdom. I mean, dinner churches, churches meeting in coffee shops, recovery church. Um, even nerd church, which Jamin, you could tell us a lot more about, I mean, just some, some really creative, innovative ideas and, and, and beyond just ideas. I mean, uh, you know, networks of people that are being exposed to the gospel and engaged in a kingdom community that wouldn't otherwise experience that if it weren't for some innovative and courageous leaders. And, you know, we're celebrating, um, the conclusion of our 1036 campaign. And, you know, we started 10 new church plants in the, the last 36 months. So just some really exciting things that have been going on as it relates to multiplication. And then, you know, boom, COVID hits and, and everything changes. I mean, the, the world literally changes. And, and so, um, you know, one of the questions we wrestle with then right from the start then is what does it look like to multiply in our current reality? Is this mission of multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches, is, is that still the mission? And um, Dustin stole my thunder a little bit in what he was talking about with, you know, reaffirming and recommitting to your, your mission and your vision and values. Um, there's this, this article that went around that I, I'm sure most, if not all of our pastors uh, read um, on this, this metaphor of a uh, blizzard, a winter, and a mini ice age. And the, the title of that article by Andy Crouch was Why Every Organization is Now a Startup. So in our language, it could be why every church is now a church plant. And in it, he makes this statement. He says, if your organization has a pitch deck, you know, so here's, here's your slide deck where you're making a case for who you are as an organization. He says, you got to keep the first three slides, the mission, the vision, the values, and you scrap everything else. Now it's time to rethink everything else. And so, you know, as we think about that, um, as a conference and as our churches, we, we need to remain committed to this vision of, of multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches. But the how we do that obviously has to change significantly. And uh, in the midst of this, um, I've done a lot of reading. And uh, one, of the, one of the books I read is a, a book by Simon Sinek called The Infinite Game. And in it, uh, Sinek talks about having an infinite mindset versus a finite mindset. 
and he looks at uh, individual leaders and organizations that have an infinite mindset versus this finite mindset. He, he defines a finite mindset really as um, being focused on the here and now and really asking the question, how can I be successful in this particular season? And so when change hits or crisis hits, it's all about weathering the change and going into survival mode. How do we get through this? And there's an element that we all need to do that, okay? So we can't physically gather, how do we get online? You know, people aren't able to physically uh, put resources into the plate. Um, how do we mobilize our people to give? We have to be thinking about those things. And just to echo what um, Superintendent Bruce and, and Dustin had to say, I mean, we are so proud of our pastors and our churches and how they've responded to that. But an infinite mindset isn't just focused on the here and now. You're focused on the future. Um, you're, you're asking the question, not just how can we be successful now, but how can we be positioned so we're successful for generations to come? Uh, when you have an infinite mindset, uh, you don't just weather the change, but you're transformed by the change. And it's not just survival mode, but reinvention mode. So how are we going to change um, ourselves and adapt so that we can get through this? And as I read that book, you know, there's all these books out there with these, these interesting ways of approaching organizations and leadership and life. Uh, but so often, it, it just brings me back to the gospel and it brings me back to Jesus. And I thought if there was ever someone who had an infinite mindset, it was Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus came and ushered in a kingdom that was not of this world. You know, he told his disciples, you're going to do even greater things than I did. Um, Jesus wasn't just thinking about the here and now. And, uh, and we see that in the early church, too. I was reading in Hebrews recently, in Hebrews 11, you go through all of these, these individuals who are heralded for their faith. And, um, and the, the writer of Hebrews makes this statement. Uh, he says that, um, they weren't just, they weren't looking for the country that they came from. Otherwise, they could just return to it. Um, but they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one, which I think is just this tremendous example of, of this infinite mindset. And so even now, we could get trapped into just how do we get back into our building? Uh, how do we get back into our location? And, and again, that's a conversation we need to be having and we need to figure out but we can't stop there because the bigger question is uh, how are we helping the people in our communities experience um, the kingdom of heaven here and now? And th that, that requires innovation. That requires imagination. It's going to require resiliency. And, and so as a team, we just, as part of this podcast, um, we just, we want to encourage you. And beyond this, we want to resource you to think and dream and to have this infinite mindset, not just how to survive this crisis, um, but how do we actually double down on the mission? So it's not just we're shelving the mission, we're doubling down on the mission of multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches. And, um, and th that's going to be so, so crucial in, you know, the, the space that we live in right now with all the challenges that are going on. The world is desperate for more disciples, leaders, and churches. And so, um, so yeah, we don't just shelve it, but we actually double down on the mission. And we're so encouraged by the many ways that our churches and leaders are in fact doing this. And so as part of that, we didn't want to just talk conceptually about how we're still continuing the work of innovation and multiplication. Um, but we, we want to actually share a few examples. I mean, I always love it when as church leaders, we're not just talking theoretically and philosophically, but we can actually say, 
here's a few concrete examples in our own our own corner of the kingdom. And so um, that's why we've got Paul on the line today and Megan. We're going to hear from one of Megan's team members, Rashad, too, and just just examples of ways that uh, that our churches and leaders are are doubling down on the mission. log online one day and Paul I've got like this Paul invites you to like this new church he just planted in the middle of a pandemic uh, and so so it seems that it really doesn't slow down there's been thinking outside of the box during this time uh, and and getting things up and going even in the midst of all that so uh, Paul would you like to speak into what you've been up to yeah um, so we were you know the pandemic uh, really hit us uh, really hard at first. It made it kind of stop in our steps. We were in the midst of uh, planting. We were in the pre-launch phases of planting a church uh, that will, was, you know, the date was October 10th to publicly launch. And uh, we were in the stage of, of actually starting to invite people to be a part of the core launch team. And uh, <clears throat> then we got the stay-at-home order. And so it, it was, in a sense, like I was building a, a light bulb. Um, and when that hit, it was like that light bulb is no longer needed in culture anymore. So um, I started praying, talking to friends, talking to mentors and coaches uh, that I have in my life and, and just kind of brainstorming. Uh, what could be like, and I just said, "Well, we could sit here and do nothing, and and hope this only lasts a month, um, so that we can get back to building a core team, or why don't we just launch it um, uh, online?" And so, in literally in a week, maybe two weeks, uh, we started scrambling. Um, and just trying to figure out um, what it looked like to actually do this. And so uh, we kind of just jumped off the cliff and said, we'll build the plane as we go down uh, and know it'll be built before we hit the ground. And uh, and so, yeah, we, we decided to make Awakening Downriver Church uh, an online campus first. Uh, and that, that's been really, it's been fun. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been, uh, a, a steep learning curve because I'm not a, a techie person at all. Um, um, and so, uh, you know, I never streamed church stuff online or, or anything like that. And so we began to think, okay, we've got to look at this in a hybrid model. We're still going to have a public gathering when that time that comes. 
Um, uh, but we're going to get out there and start doing ministry now. And so we've been able to, you know, uh, our whole mission is to create disciple makers. Uh, and out of that, we believe people, uh, we don't believe everybody's wired to be a church planner. I don't. Um, but, um, but there are people who need to become disciples and disciple makers. And so that's our whole vision. We're, we're in a, in the, within the next month, it's going to do an online, start an online Alpha course. Uh, and, and, um, well, we've been able to, we fed one day the whole hospital staff at the Trenton Hospital, Beaumont Hospital, uh, um, food and lunch, uh, for that whole eight hours. Uh, and that was like 352 people. And, um, you know, it's been fun. Uh, uh, I've learned that it, the online is not the end all be all. Um, there, we're just not created to just do this. Uh, we, we have to have some human interaction. And so, uh, we have several contingency plans, uh, based off how things get lifted. Uh, and, uh, but we're pressing forward. Uh, we've, we've had, um, some discipleship meetings and, and, and just pressing forward in, uh, we believe multiplication comes out of discipleship, but uh, we won't do away with the online campus, uh, the online church. Uh, I think it, the future is both and, uh, and so we have some thoughts of what that may look like, uh, depending on how the restrictions get lifted and and how the future kind of holds. So, I you know I think. Practically speaking, as Paul suggested, I, I think the church has to have a digital presence. And so whatever church multiplication looks like moving forward, there's going to have to be a digital element to it. Um, say we're in a season where it's, it's 10 people or less for a while. What does a network of smaller churches in our homes and, and, and parks and garages and back porches and decks look like? Um, so I think there's some creative opportunities out there if we're willing to put the time and the thought and the prayer into, you know, one thing that continues to come to mind is I, I think about how in the first few weeks of this crisis, I mean, our pastors became really creative really quick. They figured out a way to get online. They figured out a way to do church differently. And so what if we just, we gave that same amount of time to creative ways to, to make disciples, creative ways to go about multiplication. Um, you know, I love the phrase, uh, desperation births innovation. And so if we give that, that same thought time commitment, I, I think we could see some pretty creative uh, ways that we're starting and multiplying new churches. And I, I think Paul and, and Megan are representative of that. Yeah, and to Megan, she's been working on this project for some time, and I'm always excited when I see new info come out about it because it's it's just one of the, I think, one of the cooler things that we've had going on in our church, uh, in our, our conference. So, Megan, um, why don't you give us a little bit of a glimpse into what you've been up to, how that's looked like during quarantine season, where you're headed, things like that. Duran Collective, uh, we are a collective of neighbors neighboring across dividing lines. So we seek to make Jesus's love tangible to primarily Arab refugees and immigrants by um, showing courageous compassion and facilitating transformational community. 
And we envision a day when households upon households of Arab refugees and immigrants are worshiping Jesus for who Jesus says that he is. And so um, a lot of what we've been doing has been so proximity-based, so relational, so in homes. Um, our English camp, our soccer camp, like those are ways that tangibly we blessed the community um, that our friend, our newest neighbors felt loved. Um, and then with the COVID, like that just, that stopped. Like how, how do you do this? Um, and so we have begun, um, even a little bit before COVID, we started having some bilingual online or bilingual house gatherings where we would um, sing and pray in Arabic, worship, study scripture together, check in. Um, and so there's an element of up and in and out. We're always praying for our, our newest neighbors. Um, but the out, like, what, do you, what does that look like? COVID, like post-COVID, during COVID. And so actually, um, the Lord had been really leading me that, you know, um, just in a direction to really, we're about demonstrating and proclaiming Jesus's love. And so just really moving into that part of, of proclaiming and um, putting that out there. And so uh, Rashad came to me and basically had a vision and wanted to start an online Facebook page. And whenever God brings you a leader with a vision, you pray about it and you respond in obedience, but you, you empower. That's what I felt the Lord saying to me, just like empower, come alongside. And so uh, we started an online um, Facebook page. Uh, so basically as an online uh, ministry, we don't really need to be physically, uh, like to meet physically. So um, we've basically been working on expanding our Facebook presence and bringing in more uh, likes to our Facebook page and so social media, uh, different social media platforms. And um, we've been working on uh, posting some uh, videos that engage our um, brothers and sisters in Dearborn and people who um, are interested in what we do as a group and people basically who are uh, from um, an Arabic background, like Arabic speakers who um, showed some sort of interest in, in Christianity and in learning about Jesus. I think even after the corona is over, uh, we're, we're going to continue to um, expand our, our online presence. And we eventually, we do, yeah, we do have uh, like a vision. We want to see this uh, online ministry be become something tangible and maybe a physical gathering at one point uh, with where we focus on discipleship and training people who already showed interest in, in uh, learning about Jesus. But I think for now, we're just focusing on the uh, online aspect of it. Um, it's not a page uh, we put on there that it's not about um, debating or a theological war zone or forcing our beliefs on anybody. Um, but it's a place and a page where people that are interested in knowing more about Jesus and the Bible um, can engage in conversation, can ask questions. Um, we put up different content like um, testimonies of people coming to Christ. And um, it was kind of cool, even 
um, one morning I woke up and one of our newest neighbor friends um, had actually liked one of those testimonies. And so um, it's just pretty incredible that we can um, so broadly, even online, that um, yeah, people that maybe wouldn't necessarily have access to uh, what who Jesus is and what he came to do and the kingdom um, that he brings are now able to on a page um, kind of have some of that content come before them you can boost the ads so people can can see them in certain areas and demographics um, and so that's just really really cool and seems to strategic in that um, even post pandemic there's cultures where it is um, very common for the women to have to stay at home. And um, I was at a training where somebody was sharing about online church, and they said that their demographic is single women that couldn't get out of the house. Um, and there was just this aha in my, in my mind of like, wow, this, I mean, online really could be strategic in the, in the group that we're working with and trying to come alongside. Um, so it's just been pretty cool. But we're also pivoting how to move our English camp, which is more about um, demonstrating and making Jesus' love tangible and just blessing the community. Um, we're pivoting and figuring out how to have that online this summer. So instead of canceling it completely, we're going to try to do an online version of, of English camp and even have English resourcing um, all summer long. Okay, well, hey, as we wrap it up, uh, Bruce, you know, you kicked us off reminding us uh, about all this stuff that we're doing, keeping us on point. I'll turn it over to you to kind of uh, now take us out on point as well. Yeah, there's lots of things I'd like to say, but if I can uh, say this one thing, friends, this has been a crisis full of opportunity and how we position and lead in these next weeks are going to be critical, I think, to the life cycle of many of our churches. And here's what I mean. Uh, a lot of our people do not understand biblical discipleship. What they have done is they've equated attending church with following Jesus. And all of us need to acknowledge that that's not necessarily served the mission of the church well, nor has it replicated across the generations today. What we need to do is to make sure that when this is over, where we land is in a discipleship culture as a conference. So I, I want to remind all of our leaders, again, our mission is to make and multiply disciples. As we make and multiply disciples, leaders will be raised up and new works will be launched. If our total attention is going to shift back to pre-COVID pandemic, and we're going to be doing business as usual like we did it, 11, 12, 13 weeks ago, we're going to miss an incredible opportunity to strongly shape the future of the church 
And uh, that would be the greatest tragedy of this crisis. It really would. So let's continue to, in our heart of hearts as leaders, and our best thinking, using our best energy, continue to ask ourselves the question, how can I make and multiply disciples? And don't allow the pressure points of reopening, uh, you know, those, with all of those challenges, all those text messages, you know, when are we opening our churches? You know, continue to remain focused on that to which Jesus has called us. That's, that's really what the call of action needs to be. Continue to see the opportunity in this crisis and continue to lead well in light of the opportunities God's given us during this pandemic. If we do that, we're going to see amazing things in the days ahead, and we will emerge out of this period of time more uh, stronger and sharper as the people of God doing the work of God in the world. So that's my prayer, and that's my hope for us as a network of churches and leaders going forward in the days ahead. Uh, I also want to, again, just in closing, express my appreciation to uh, both Megan and Paul and Rashad for being with us today. I'm grateful for the wonderful team and Pastor Eric and Pastor Dustin and Jamin. We're thankful for you too. You're the guy who makes all this magic work. God bless you. God bless you all. Thanks for being part of the podcast today. SMC Podcast.